Okay, everybody. Unfortunately, I have to do this two weeks in a row. Welcome back to the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. This is the uh, Monday episode. Um, you've heard a happy one. You've heard a sad one. This is uh, maybe even a sadder one. Um, but it might not all be sad because I've got my buddy Johnny Rowe back on the on the episode with us today, and uh, he he's been a little bit more positive than me. But the Chiefs lose yesterday, September twenty sixth, twenty four to thirty, at the hands of division foe and rival the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, it was just another game that the Chiefs just squandered away, in my opinion. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to talk a, a lot about the game, but we really could make this episode a minute. When you turn the ball over four times and you and you can't stop anybody on defense, you're just not going to win a football game in the NFL. And quite frankly, as ridiculous as this might sound, I actually thought the defense looked better than they have all year, and I thought they looked horrible. I mean, this defense isn't going to win a game in my opinion. So now I guess we better welcome on Johnny. Johnny, buddy, first off, give me some overall thoughts on the game and then touch on um, anything you, you know, you want to get off your chest real quick. Hey, what's up, Chandler? What's up, buddy? There's the positivity, everybody. Good to be back with you, man. Um, yeah, actually, I, I was shocked how chipper I woke up uh, this morning. Obviously, I'm upset. I don't like when the Chiefs lose, um, especially not back-to-back games, but... Uh, you know, the Chiefs haven't lost back-to-back games since 2019 when they lost to the Colts and the uh, Texans back-to-back, which were both at home. So, it, I mean, I don't like the losses, of course, but um, this is a loss that's just, like, easier to swallow because when you turn the ball over four times against good teams, you lose. And, um, you know, the Chiefs at one point, I believe they turned the ball over on their first three possessions. They had turned the ball over on four straight possessions dating back to the Ravens game. And it was like five of their last six possessions. So they had like a a really bad stretch of football. They're not playing the Chiefs brand of football that we have known over the the past few years. And, you know, I think they're going to get back to it, which is why I'm a little more positive. I mean, they were still, after all of the bullshit, in a position to win the game. And Mahomes throws an uncharacteristic Mahomes pick two games in a row. He's going to have to get better, right? Like Patrick is going to have to play better. But really, Chandler, like the reason I'm not all doom and gloom is because they're good teams that we're losing to. And the Chiefs have had this unbelievable stretch of football over the last couple of years where they're just winning games, close games. Like, they're, they're, they're just winning. And you know more than anyone, Chandler, someone who played at a high level, like, you just lose football games sometimes. Like, it, it, and it's tough as a fan especially because you have no control. You have no control over the outcome of the game, and you're just, like, watching shit unfold, and it's so hard to bear. So, like, the reason I'm so not down in the dumps, like, after the Baltimore loss is because it's it's plain as day why the Chiefs lost. You turn the ball over four times, three times in the opponent's territory, and you lose to good teams when you do that. You know, if there's one silver lining, Chandler, um, when you you turn the ball over like this against bad teams, sometimes you still come out of there with a victory and you don't 
you know, get a dose of reality and have to fix your mistakes quickly. Maybe now after being one and two after two after three games against three good teams, uh, you get this dose of reality and you you realize that when you make mistakes like this, good teams take advantage and, and you lose. So they they've got to get right game next week. You know, they've got to be they've got to get ready to go against Philadelphia on the road and they can't have mistakes like this again. So uh, my, my thoughts, Jalen. Yeah, I well, unfortunately, I love what you said. Uh, I completely agree with a lot of it going, I'll start first with the schedule. I mean, I, I this, if you're not a Chiefs fan listening to this, you're going to think that I'm just saying this because it's the Chiefs, but like, tell me a more difficult start to the year than ours. Tell me three teams in a row that are better than another team's first three games. I just, I doubt you find it. I really no. do. Yeah, Chandler, real quick, you look at, uh, you know, also, uh, you know, Tom Brady lost yesterday. Like teams lose. Russell yeah. Wilson's Seahawks are one and two. They lost to the freaking Vikings. They've lost to the to the Titans, and they beat the Colts. So it's like you're, you know, Titans, Colts, and Vikings. Compare that to Browns, Chargers, Ravens. Like the Chiefs have had a tough schedule. If you, when yeah. the schedule came out, I looked at it and I was like, if the Chiefs can come out of these first three games two and one, that's really good. Mm-hmm. It just sucks that it's one and two. Yeah. One and two, and uh, the next four don't get easier. I actually wrote those down at Philly, uh, home versus Buffalo, Sunday night, at Washington football team, and then at the Titans. Four teams that um, all – the football team is starting to not look very good, but the other three are kind of hot or getting better at week in, week out. Philly has a tough game tonight against Dallas. Well, those division games, I mean, you saw yesterday with the Chargers. I mean, they're tough to win, and it's going to be a game down to the wire more than likely. So, well, you know, yeah, like you said, we've got to get ready to get back on the road. And I absolutely love, love, love what you said about the turnovers. Uh, and it is very true. Being a part of a football team, it, when you win, you forget about things like turnovers, like exactly like you said. And it's been a glaring issue, and it's cost us two games in two weeks. So there is no way that it can't be stressed this week in practice, backslash meeting rooms, backslash position groups, et cetera. Um, And I want to make a quick point. Things like that, carelessness like that is is more, more times than not people showing up ready to go, you know? I mean, like, if you're, if you're not locked in, you're going to put the ball in the deck like that. Knock on wood, dude, but is Travis Kelsey just not ready to play every game? Dude, he is just ready to play. He, he had another good game yesterday. You cannot defend him. As much as the Chargers tried, and I actually thought they had a little bit of success, correct me if I'm wrong, he was over a 100-yard receiver. Oh, you know, he was, and he comes out ready to play. And, you know, that's a, a narrative that was against Travis Kelsey Chandler is that he had never – had 100 yards receiving against the Chargers in his career. And he goes and his line finished for uh, seven catches on 11 targets for 104 yards. Total beast mode. And um, I I can't remember what the exact number is, but with that 100-yard performance, he now is in sole possession of the most 100-yard receiving games by a Chiefs player. He passed Tony Gonzalez. So, um Travis Kelsey is a remarkable player and (laughs) 
I think we'd be without him, we would be even more down in the dumps today because the Chiefs would not be nearly as good without Travis Kelsey on their team, obviously. Yeah, because quite honestly, the Chiefs looked down in the dumps when they were out there until the first quarter and Travis exploded for a big play to kind of get us on track. Otherwise, we're stuck in the mud. I mean, we looked horrible to start the game on offense, and Travis makes a play. I think he went for like 20, 25 something. But like, dude, without him, I mean, right then and there, you could tell the team kind of settled down all of a sudden. Okay, Travis is in the building. Like, but it shouldn't be that way, dude. It should not be that way for a team that's capable of winning AFC championships, Super Bowls. You got to come ready to play. And I also thought about this today, Johnny. I mean, before the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, the teams took the Chiefs lightly. There is not going to be one team ever for the rest of Patrick Mahomes' career ever that's going to take the Chiefs lightly. And it shows. These teams just keep coming at us, coming at us, coming at us. The Browns actually did the opposite. They quit coming at us, and we kind of took it back at them. But the Ravens kept coming at us. The Chargers kept coming at us. And both of those teams won. We're not going to – teams are not going to lay down and die against us and feel hopeless against us like they did in the last three years he's been here. I'm sorry. They're just not going to. The proof is in the pudding, Chandler, right there at the end of the game, which we'll go through the game. But just, you know, at the end, it's fourth and four, and they're in – the Chargers are in field goal range. They don't – they elect to go for it on fourth and four. They fall start to make it fourth and nine, and they still go for it. Patrick Mahomes yeah. and the Chiefs have changed the way you have to play teams. Teams don't – traditional football goes out the window. I mean, can you imagine, like, in the John Madden era of, of coaching, if you told him that instead of kicking the go-ahead field goal, you – or the, the tying field goal or whatever it was, that you decided to go for it on fourth and nine in opposing territory, they would be like, what the hell are you doing? You should be fired. This is blasphemy. Yeah. Credit credit to Brandon Staley and that staff for having the balls to go for it right there because it paid off for him. I completely agree. Yeah, it's just it's funny how football evolves like that. But yeah, I mean it was definitely the right call too, dude. How how you're not gonna get the ball back to Patrick. That just would be idiotic. But I actually went about this game a little differently. I I I've been writing notes for the first two. I did not write a single note for this one, and I went back and rewatched it. Um, today and I didn't write any notes about it either except for ones that really stuck out late in the fourth quarter to me but I went ahead and uh, well I want to go ahead and just just say watching the game the second time um, it made it abundantly clear how many holes and gaps we have on defense It, it it's it's glaringly bad and I think when I when I really think about it personally I know that our offense is elite. I know that we're not going to turn the ball over four times again, probably this year, knock on wood, but it just doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen to anybody in the NFL, even the worst teams. Like I, like the Jets might've had a turnover yesterday, but they didn't have four. So like that's going to go out the window, but, and, and that's fixable, but there's things on defense, Johnny, that I'm just going to be flat up honest. I don't see how they get better. I mean, like you, you can teach and coach and watch on film all you want, but, like, our guys just aren't playing that well. Like, the Chargers' old line has improved, yes, but, it, okay, Herbert was sacked, what, once by Mike Dana? And Mike Dana did it? 
Like, dude, come on, D-line. Our D-line has holes. Our secondary is abysmal. I, I wrote this down because this just has to be talked about, John. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna stop talking for a second because I want to hear your your take on this. Legereus Sneed, third and goal, three fifty one left in the football game. They throw a goal line fade to, I believe it was either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. I think it was Mike Williams, but he just like flat out tackled him. I couldn't believe what my eyes were seeing, Johnny. Your thoughts? Okay, so Legereus Sneed is easily the best corner on the team, and I've been really impressed with him. His ability to step up in the run game, his willingness to tackle is great. His coverage is is really good. I mean, he was on Keenan Allen for a lot of the game. Yeah, um, which is a tough matchup. I'm not Keenan saying Allen, that he's not, yeah. he's not getting good matchups, but like – when, when it's third and goal and you just run what appears to to me, I watched it at least five times a day, what appears to me is he just ran at the receiver and bench-pressed him in the chest. The ball had barely even left Herbert's hand, and he was two-hand pressing him right in his damn chest. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I was getting there. So I don't understand, and I, of course, I did not – play football at a high level. I understand it's very difficult. But, like, the Chiefs, especially under Spagnuolo, have had this tendency. Just They just don't get their head around on the ball. I get it. It's very difficult. But, like, it, can you not read the body language of the receiver at all and, like, you just expect that the ball is coming? Like, you notice it's a fade, so you get your head turned around. I mean, Legereus Sneed, like, it was like he was pissed off for that guy looking at his girl at a bar fight. Yeah. The ball, I the ball, I don't even think it was a catchable ball. Like it was way too far out mm. in front of him, pretty high up. The ball hadn't even like reached the goal line before Legarius Dean put his helmet in the receiver's chest. That is a that was terrible. And what's really getting frustrating with me, Brett Veach, the general manager, who I'm starting to ask questions of, um, he has like this thing about him that people talk about where he he loves the first round draft pick flop reclamation project. And Taco Charlton was one of those who was one of the roster cuts early on in the season. So that didn't work out. DeAndre Baker is one of the ones that, that they have now who, whether or not you think it was a flag or not, was flagged on fourth and nine, which extended the game for pass interference. He has not been great. He's been a healthy scratch the first couple of weeks. I know he's coming off of a really bad injury, but he's been a healthy scratch the first couple of weeks, and he wasn't good in, for the Giants. Mike Hughes was a guy that the Minnesota Vikings were willing to part with for a day three draft pick, and he's come over to the Chiefs. Yes, against the Browns, he had an interception that you and I both could have caught, but he hasn't been good either. I mean, not even close to some of these receivers. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen were dominating these guys. And... um my frustration in the defense lies with just like an inability to get inability to get it fixed. The chiefs defense in 2019, when they brought in Matthew and Clark in the playoffs, you know, Frank Clark was getting to the quarterback, which was nice. But other than that playoff run, he's been a huge disappointment for the chiefs. Tyron Matthews has been very good, even though you disagree. Um, what's frustrating is that th this team is just not getting fixed. Like from a run standpoint, right? Okay. They, they, they maybe did okay at some times during the game, but Austin Eckler was still gashing you for big runs, chunk yardage at a time. 
And I just, I don't see it getting fixed. The Chiefs, I believe the stat is, there's been 13 red zone trips against the Chiefs so far this year. And 12 of them have resulted in touchdowns. 12 of 13. How, where, where's the pride? You know, Tyron Matthew talks a big game. Frank Clark, you know, from Skid Row, loves football. Smash Mouth, you know, likes the physicality of the game. Tyron Matthew said, you know, after the Ravens game, sometime it, sometimes it takes getting punched in the mouth to get back, you know, to get your swagger back or whatever he said. How many punches are you going to have to take? The, the Buccaneers embarrassed you week one or uh, in the Super Bowl, embarrassed your defense. The Browns ran the ball down your throat at will in week one. The Ravens ran the ball down your throat at, at will week two. Your, your defense surrendered 11-point leads twice in week two. And here we go in, in week three. Justin Herbert has 281 yards passing, four touchdowns. They had nearly 100 yards rushing on the ground. I just it, it, What's frustrating is I don't see it getting fixed, like you said. I don't understand the direction that the team is going. Uh, you know, today they bring in uh, Josh Gordon comes in on the offense. I'm not, not even going to talk about that. Uh, we're bringing in receivers for the offense that had nearly 500 yards when our defense cannot generate any sort of pass rush. The Chiefs yeah. brought in, you know, the Chiefs brought in in the offseason, they, they, they brought in Melvin Ingram, former Charger, for a visit and let him go out the building and sign with the Steelers. Melvin Ingram has double-digit pressures on the season. I don't know why we don't bring in a guy like Melvin Ingram. Oh, we were fine with guys like Taco Charlton. Oh, we cut his ass. So uh, I know it was a lot of word salad. What I'm getting at is the frustrating thing about the defense, Chandler, is that I'm not seeing solutions from your general manager as far as personnel goes because there's only so much a coach can do with the, people, with the players that he's given. Yeah, our personnel is just flat-out horrible. And um, you didn't touch on these guys, but our defensive line, let me just run you through uh, the tackles for all the defensive linemen that played yesterday. Um, uh, Trishawn Wharton, zero. Colin Saunders, zero. Jerron Reed, he had one tackle, two assisted tackles. Derek Noddy had two tackles. Chris Jones had one tackle and one assisted tackle. And uh, Alex Okafor had two tackles. Mike Dana, sorry, I had Mike Dana too. Just saw this. He had uh, three tackles, one of them which was his sack. So he had two tackles that wasn't a sack. Um, that is just simply not good enough. And D linemen, their job isn't to it, it, schematically a D lineman's job isn't to get tackles. You're supposed to take up blockers. Well. It's the NFL. I mean, we need more production than that from you. If, if, if it's either you're getting driven back into the linebackers or you're just getting absolutely no penetration. And you don't have to make the tackle as a D lineman, but you've got to get back there. You've got to knock the running back off course. Teams are going north and south. You've got to make teams go east and west, especially, especially with our linebackers. I don't even want to talk about them. Talk about being lost yesterday, dude. They they couldn't line up on anyone. One play that sticks out in my mind more than any play yesterday was it was it was third and three. It was the it was the first quarter. It really doesn't matter, but it sticks out in my mind because Ben Neiman is covering Eckler on out of the backfield, and he's so far he's not even close to being able to keep up. And Eckler is one of the best running backs in, in the league um, out of the backfield, but like. 
I mean, he doesn't even have a chance. He has no chance to get out there and cover him. He, he's behind him by an absolute mile, but getting off track there. Back to the D-line, I mean, I, we, this is kind of what your point was, Johnny. I mean, our, our general manager spends the, uh, the offseason getting uh, Jerron Reed, who I thought was going to be a huge help. I mean, he's silent. Um, I, I, I don't see enough from him for bringing him in and having him such a big deal coming from Seattle. I just really don't. And, I mean, Chris Jones moving out to DN seemed like a really good idea. But quite honestly, you don't – if you don't have to double-team the interior, which teams – the Chargers did not do. There was a Charger, one Charger on – for the most part, on one Chiefs D lineman, and they were pushing it all the way out to Chris Jones. They make it too wide for Chris Jones to be effective in the run game, dude. I'm sorry, but we have, as of right now, we have got to move Chris Jones back to the middle. He's more disruptive. When you have a straighter line with the quarterback, it's just easier. And, okay, and if you bring him back in, you force a double team immediately, no matter where he's at. So you already know. Right now, our linebackers aren't getting a read on who's getting the double team inside because it's not Chris Jones. With Chris Jones inside, it's always going to be Chris Jones. He's going to get double team on every play. It makes it easier for our linebackers, who clearly are either, A, getting swallowed by offensive linemen, which could honestly be the – it could be the case, or, two, they're guessing because they're not reacting to what's going to happen because they've been used to having Chris Jones inside. So it's just like – I, Chris Jones can play defensive end in the NFL. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm not for sure that he can play it for the Chiefs because it's just not working. Chiefs obviously are concerned with their edge rush, which is why they would move the second-best three technique in the league out to defensive end. Um, so, I mean, that's just – it's obvious the problem there. I mean, if you move Chris Jones back to three technique – who's your, I mean, you're in, you know, Frank Clark, is he healthy or not? So your pass rushers on the edge are Alex Okafor and Mike Dana. Ugh, yuck. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, like overall, it's like the personnel is just not very good. And like, I'm like, I've been saying Brett Veach's motto is the reclamation project. Kind of like another man's trash is another man's treasure. Okay. The way I'm thinking about that now, you know, the chiefs got, people were shocked. Why did the Seahawks cut Jaron Reed? Why would they do that? You know, like maybe the team that's had him for a few years saw the decline and were fine moving on to the next player. You know, there's yeah. like this thing that I keep thinking of is like, these are, there are 32 professional organizations. I would argue, even though it may seem that way sometimes that the front office people aren't totally inept, right? They're not like totally stupid. So like, why would they cut good players? Why would Minnesota be totally fine trading number, you know, former first round pick Mike Hughes for a day three pick? Why would the Seahawks be okay cutting Jaron Reed? Because they're just like not that good of players anymore. We know that the shelf life of NFL players is not that long. So like, this is a what, what have you done for me lately league? So like, whatever you've done in the past, great. It's what are you doing for me right now? And what Jaron Reed and the rest of this defensive line are giving you is not good enough. What Anthony Hitchens, 
you know, who, who Brett Veach brought in in 2018 on a five-year, $45 million deal from Dallas, who, did, who Dallas was fine not paying him in free agency. What, 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 what he's giving you and what the rest of the linebackers are giving you is not good enough. What Tyron Matthew and the safeties are doing right now is not good enough. All of it is just not good enough, and it needs to get fixed. And if you yeah. if this defense thinks that they're going to be able to hold Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and Devontae Smith, you know, these aren't like world beaters, but they know how to play football too. And the they're way athletes. this defense is playing, they're athletes. They're not going to be able to cover them. Ben Neiman's not going to be able to cover Miles Sanders. So what, 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 what is this defense going to do? They have got to play better. It's not good enough. No. Um, and real quick, what's he going to do? Run down Jalen Hurts? He's a dynamic runner. So it's like the personnel, it, 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 I think watching it a second time, like the first time it's raw, it's like, dude, come on. Like, let's go. But when you really sit down and just, just watch the game, you already know what's going to happen. You can kind of – not really worry about where the ball is. Like I spent the whole day watching the D line and the linebackers the whole game. And Nick Bolden, I actually think is a really bright spot on the defense. I think Nick Bolden has, has completely and utterly shocked expectations um, coming in as a rookie linebacker in the NFL. First off, he looks big. He looks like a fucking hoss out there. And second, he can run. He can run with people. So, like, he's a bright spot, but he has no help from either side of him. Um, and, again, we said this last week, Johnny. I want to see if you can answer this. Where's Juan Thornhill? Why does it have to be Sorensen? Can Juan Thornhill not do it? I, as much as I don't want to say this, I don't all the time mind that Daniel Sorensen out there. He gets a lot of shit, but, like, sometimes – to have a guy that I know is going to be at least you would think in the right spot out there is sometimes better. I get it. But like, is Juan Thornhill in the doghouse? Is he not in shape? Does he not know the defense? I'm lost because he was only making plays his rookie year before he hurt his knee against the fucking Chargers. So like, I don't get it, Johnny. Thoughts, opinions? Juan Thornhill played. 19 snaps uh, for the Chiefs on Sunday, um, 29% of the snaps. Daniel Sorensen played 60, which was 91% of the snaps. Um, the Chiefs have had this narrative around Juan Thornhill that he's like, you know, he's still getting his confidence back. They've been saying that for like, we're going on two years. Like he's just getting his confidence back. It's all about the play. You know, he's got to be get his playmaker swagger back. And Juan Thornhill's even said that too. Like when I first came back, I was super hesitant. Okay, I'm done with the hesitation. I'm done with this fake crap. Juan Thornhill is better than Daniel Sorensen. Point blank, period. He's a better athlete. And Daniel Sorensen leads the NFL in missed tackles. So it goes back to my point last week. Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen, they may know the defense and the scheme like the back of their fucking dick. But I don't care, Chandler. They are not good enough. It's not good enough. You know, this defense is just lacking bad-ass motherfuckers. They're lacking it, Chandler. Like, other than Chris Jones, no one on this defense, like, scares you. Tyron Matthew, like, 
you know, man, like he just like doesn't like he, he's not like an intimidating body figure. Like Chris Jones is massive and scary. Yeah. Frank yeah. Clark, when he first came to the Chiefs, I was like, man, this guy's big and scary. He's lost like his physicality, like his presence. No one else on this defense, nobody in the linebacker room like scares you. And I'm, I, I want players that are like flying around and making plays. You know, I don't need every player to be Derwin James, who is remarkable, but like Asante Samuel Jr. for the Chargers had an awesome game with an interception. Like, why are we not getting a, like these just really good later in the draft guys? What, I don't understand. I don't understand from a personnel standpoint the philosophy behind the defense and the direction of the defense. I will give them one benefit of the doubt, though. They, they put a lot of stock in Willie Gay. Willie Gay is a sideline to sideline, big linebacker who's a hard hitter, hell of an athlete, and he's not playing right now. But, like, at the same time, I really hope that this team is not putting all of its eggs into a second-round, second-year linebacker coming off of a COVID year with a bunch of injuries. So I don't know what direction that the defense is going. And Chandler, I started this podcast off chipper, and I just dropped two f bombs in that little rant right there. So I don't know, I don't know uh, what you've done to me, but we're going in a in a dark down a dark road right now. It just shows you the passion that we have. Um, it's just, I mean, I obviously I'm rooting for Ben Neiman. I want them to do good. They're on my team. They're just not playing well enough, and it sucks. I want them to win. So goddamn bad. I had a really fucking shitty Monday. I I actually had such a shitty Monday. I wouldn't. I didn't listen to music at the gym. I didn't even let myself do that. Oh. So I had a workout. I had cardio without music. It was miserable. But you know what? That's what we deserve right now. My dad called me yesterday and he was like, "What are you gonna do for dinner tonight?" And I was like, "Well." I feel like I deserve a goddamn bologna sandwich. That's all I felt I, I deserved. I want it some was, man meat. <laughs> yeah. It was a flat out shit ass day. I didn't watch another minute of football yesterday after the Chiefs game. Not one minute. I sat in this exact spot and, and sat in silence for a lot of it. I made some phone calls to get it off my chest, but... I mean, like. Chandler, this defense needs to come out against Philadelphia and they need to have like a statement game like this team. And I don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen, by the way. But this team like needs something like the, the Chiefs, like they're so good, but they never blow people out like they know. And I know it's the NFL. It is top of the line. OK, but like the Bills beat the Dolphins in week two, 35 to nothing. Like the Chiefs never beat people 35 to nothing, I feel like. The Chiefs beat Washington. The Chiefs beat Washington, who we just talked, or sorry, the Bills beat Washington, who we just talked about uh, yesterday, 43 to 21. Like they they are kicking teams' ass. And the Chiefs like in spurts will do that, but they never put it together for a full game. So like I need the Chiefs to just, like, emasculate a team. I need them to kick some ass because, all right, so if the, Chief, the Chiefs, let's say they win against the Eagles, they look, whatever happens, right? So you're either 2-2 two and two or you're 1-3, and three, and there is a 
pissed off team from Buffalo coming into your house, ready to kick your fucking ass. Yeah, like, and they feel they can do it too. Right. And they, they, yeah, they're seeing what's going on and they can do it. So like, this is your get right spot. An NFC East team. This is an opportunity for Andy Reid to get his hundredth career win with his second franchise. It will make him the first player to ever do or first coach to ever do that. And he goes to his former place and former uh, team in Philadelphia. So, and he's coming from out of the hospital. You're coming off two losses, right? All of these things, you're angry, you're pissed off. Put it together. Go to Philadelphia and kick this team's ass. Like, do it. And then come home in week five on Sunday night football in front of your fans and show the Bills who the kings of the AFC really are. Honestly, folks, we're going to end it there. Uh, We could keep going, but I absolutely love that. And there's no better way to put this game to bed. Um, I'm not even going to – I'm just going to put this episode to bed as well. Johnny, thank you very much for uh, hopping on. Um, Look forward to it next Monday. Me too, Chandler. Hopefully it's after a win and we're in better spirits. Cheers, man. Yep. Cheers, buddy. See ya.